0: Our scripture passage for this morning uh, comes from the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter one, uh, verses six through ten. We uh, started going through the book of Galatians two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago, yeah. Uh, and uh, so we're making our way through little by little. Uh, we made it to verse six this week. Uh, Before we read Galatians 1, 6 through 10, let me say two things. One, if you need a Bible, there are some Bibles just outside the door on the table there. And so if you need a Bible, if you don't have one, feel free to go grab one now. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, you should feel free not only to grab that Bible for right now, but also uh, keep it, Uh, write your name in the front, take it home with you, and then bring it back week after week as we study God's Word together. Let's pray before we read through Galatians 1, 6 through 10. Please pray with me. Our Father, we thank you uh, so much for your love for us. We thank you that we can come to you. Uh, We thank you that that in Jesus we can come to you just as we are, uh, broken and sinful as we may be. Uh, We thank you that through Jesus, your Son, you accept us, you receive us into your presence. Uh, You love us, you pour out your Spirit on us. We pray, Father, that you would pour out your Spirit on us now, that as we come to your Word, you would teach us, uh, that you would guide us, that you would help us to understand what the scriptures teach. Pray that you would be with me and help me to speak what is true. Pray that you would be with us as we hear, uh, that you would help us to remember what is true and forget anything that is false. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in us, in our hearts, in our lives, as we uh, hear your word, as we receive your word, as we live your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. This is God's Word. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. When you feel like a failure, have you ever asked yourself why? Why do you feel that way? Uh, what, What law have you broken? What standard have you not lived up to? And why was it so important that you keep that law, that you live up to that standard, that now you feel miserable? You know, often we rely on our performance for our validation, for our righteousness. We feel good about ourselves when we perform well. We feel miserable about ourselves when we perform poorly. Of course, the gospel is that our acceptance with the Father comes through Jesus. Our, our validation comes through the Father's acceptance. But our hearts are very, very slow to believe this. This happens to me all the time. I, uh, I, I find myself failing to live up to some standard, and, and I tend to be on the perfectionistic side, so I have a lot of self-imposed standards. and uh, And rather than Nevertheless, rejoicing in the righteousness of Jesus, I get depressed that I failed again. See, we look to ourself for a sense of value, a sense of validation, a sense of righteousness. We look to what we can do, what we can accomplish, what we have attained, rather than to Christ. The, the false teachers in Galatia, which is the 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 area, the region that Paul was writing this letter to, the the false teachers in Galatia taught that the gospel, that is the good news, was a message of Jesus plus self. They taught that, yeah, of course you need to trust in Jesus and you need to do certain things. You need to keep certain laws. You need to perform to a certain level. And Paul, in the book of Galatians, calls them out. Here's what we're going to see this morning. You, you can see this on the back of your bulletin. There's an outline there. There are uh, five points. The first is that Jesus plus self is not good news. Second is Jesus plus self is actually a danger to your soul. Jesus plus self is a damnable teaching. Jesus plus self requires loving intervention, and Jesus alone is unpopular to those who rely on Jesus plus self. So we're looking at the gospel of the so-called gospel of these false teachers at Galatia of Jesus plus self, and we're going through that little by little as we walk through this, these verses this morning. So first, Jesus plus self is, is not good news. Of course, before we jump into what is not good news, we kind of have to understand what is the good news. You know, what did Paul preach anyway that was so different from these uh, teachers, these false teachers? Well, Paul taught that because of sin, uh, because of the human rebellion, the human race is at enmity with God. That we face judgment for our rebellion, that we have the hope only of eternal death That all human misery and strife and division, that internal and interpersonal and relational troubles, that all physical, emotional, and social, circumstantial suffering, all of that is a result actually of sin's presence in the world. That's not, of course, saying that it's your fault when you suffer, uh, but it is saying that all suffering is a result of the brokenness of this present world. The world is broken. The world is not what God intended it to be because of human sin and suffering is one of the many results. The gospel, on the other hand, the good news is that God, because of his love for us, sent his son into the world to take on human skin and human sin and human suffering and to live a perfectly righteous life on our behalf, to bear our punishment in his death on the cross. To rise from the dead victorious, vindicated by the Father, defeating sin and death and hell forever. And that anyone who trusts in him shares in his victory. That is the good news, right? When you trust in Jesus, you share in his victory, which means your sins have been paid for through the cross, your sins. Are now forgiven through the cross you stand before the father not sinful and condemned but righteous and victorious in jesus the victor you stand before the father not as his enemies any longer but as beloved children in the beloved child jesus our victory is found in his victory through faith and this is what the galatians were actually deserting chapter 1 verses 6 again paul says i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul calls this false teaching of the Galatians a different gospel, which is no gospel, he says. This is not a gospel. This is not good news at all, but it's a distortion of the true gospel message, the true good news. And there, of course, there are lots of messages that people put out there as if they were good news, right? Messages of human effort, messages of working something up in yourself to save yourself in some way, to make yourself a better you, to get your best life now. They are different gospels. They are opposing gospels. And, of course, if they mix Jesus in, with their human effort, then actually they're a distortion of the true gospel. You know, some people think just because a pastor mentions the name of Jesus, then they must not be that bad after all. But once it becomes Jesus plus, Jesus plus something I can do, once you add something you can do into the gospel, you're actually distorting the gospel, Paul says, and it becomes no gospel at all different way of putting that, a simpler way of putting that is self-reliance is a false gospel. Self-righteousness is a false gospel. If you're standing before God is found in something that's in you, that's a false gospel. Well, one pastor in his commentary on Galatians lists three uh, prominent, different, or false gospels that are in the church today. And the first one he lists is, is the, the do you really believe gospel. And, and, of course, we've already said that trusting in Jesus is the way we share in his victory. Uh, but some churches make trusting itself into a work of its own. And so do you really believe in Jesus? Have you really repented of your sins? And, and sometimes this goes the way of, do you know the day you prayed the prayer, right? Or the day you walked down the aisle? And yes, we must believe in Jesus. We must trust in him, but we dare not trust in our trust. Trusting in Christ is a renunciation of human effort even a renunciation of trusting in our trust, right? Uh, trusting in our belief or trusting in our conversion experience or, or, or trusting in that we so-called prayed the sinner's prayer. And this is important because sometimes in the Christian life, you will find, if you haven't already, that your faith, your trust is very weak. And if you're trusting in your faith in that moment, your, your, your confidence will be shattered You're going to start to wonder, well, do do I have enough faith? And you need to remember in that moment that it's not your faith that saves you. It's not the amount of your faith that saves you, but it's the object of your faith who saves you. There's actually a twist on this in some churches, and the question is not do you believe enough, but do you feel enough? Do you feel the presence of the Spirit? And the emphasis is is not on do you have enough faith, but have you felt the right things, right? Have you felt the right things in worship? Have you felt the right things in prayer? Have you felt the right things in your Bible reading time? And the problem is, you know, sometimes our feelings are there. You know, we come on Sunday morning and we're just swept up in the music, we're swept up in the sermon, and we just think, this is amazing. And sometimes we come to the worship service and we think, my heart is just not in this. I'm singing the words, but, and, and my voice is going up and down with the notes, but my heart is monotone, right? Because our hearts just aren't there. Sometimes our feelings are there. Sometimes they're not. Feelings can't be manufactured, shouldn't be manufactured. But we don't gain or lose our salvation based on how much or how little we feel God's presence, We are saved by Christ through faith. And once we go the route of, do you really believe? Or have you really felt God's presence? We are pushing people to look to something in themselves. Rather than to look to the one outside of themselves who has done all for their salvation. So the first false gospel, right, is is, do do you really believe? Do we need to believe? Of course we need to trust in Jesus. But once we start, uh, once we put our, our trust under a microscope, right, we're beginning, to look, we're beginning to look to ourselves rather than to look to him. Second false gospel is, well, just be a good person. Just be a good person. This false gospel often does away with Christ altogether, though sometimes not. Sometimes it's believe in Jesus and be a good person. Sometimes it's, well, you don't even need Jesus. Just, just need to be, you just need to be a good person right, to get to heaven. And uh, Paul actually addresses this directly in his letter later on in Galatians. He's, in chapter 2, verse 21, he says, If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. See, why did Christ die? Christ died because we are not good people. He died because we're unrighteous. We deserve uh, uh, punishment for our sins. Christ died because everything we do is tainted with our selfishness. Lots of people are good people by human standards. We do good things all the time. But man looks on the outward appearance and the Lord knows our hearts. He knows that our hearts are bent away from Him and into ourselves. And even if we could start, even if we could, at this very moment, you could just start doing genuinely good things with no taint of sin, no taint of selfishness at all, uh, that still wouldn't take away all of the selfish things we've already done. Righteousness, Paul says, that is God's approval of us does not come through doing good things or being a good person. It does not come through the law. Many uh, people would say, well, you know, this good person gospel, that's actually more loving than Paul's gospel. You know, Paul's gospel is too exclusive, you might say. Trust in Jesus, that's so narrow. But be a good person, that's actually even worse. Be a good person. Okay, by whose standard do I need to be a good person? How good do I have to be? Uh, What if I've been a really bad person? Is there no forgiveness for me? Uh, What if I keep screwing up? What if I'm trying to do the right thing, but I just keep getting it wrong? Then what? Be a good person ends up being incredibly exclusive, especially when I know my own heart and I'm honest about it because I know I'm not a good person. And if you're honest with yourselves, you would say the same thing. In yourself, your heart is broken, just like mine. This is not good news. It's a a throwing us back on ourselves, throwing us back on what we can accomplish. And the more we look into it, the more we realize, I keep failing to live up to what God says. The the third false gospel that is mentioned uh, is the the legalist false gospel, right? Uh, You've maybe been to a church like this or heard of a church like this uh, where they teach they, you know, believe in Jesus, trust in him. That's important. And... Uh, dress this way, or do these things, or listen to this music, or read this Bible translation. And, and you know these are not suggestions or helpful advice, right? That's good. But uh, you can kind of feel it in the air sometimes uh, that if I don't do this, I will be condemned by the people around me. Again, we throw people back on themselves, things that they can accomplish, things that they can do. All of these false gospels have to do with with what people can accomplish in their flesh, that is, in their own strength. They all have to do with divisions in the world between people, right? Who can work up the most faith? Who can work up the most feeling, the most good deeds? Who can dress the right way or do the right things or read the right translation or listen to the right music or whatever it is? And yet we're tempted to listen to these kinds of false gospels. We're tempted to listen to gospels that tell us what we can do rather than what Christ has already done. In fact, uh, one time I was was preaching through the Ten Commandments in a different place, not here, and, um, and I was telling people, okay, the Ten Commandments, God says things like don't commit adultery, uh, don't murder. But then Jesus in the New Testament explains that as, as um, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already committed adul- adultery. If, you, uh, if you're if you angry with your brother, you've already committed murder, right? There's this heart component to God's law. And uh, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, this whole thing about obedience from the heart, that's just way too hard. Just give me something I can do. And he was dead serious. right? Like, don't tell me... Uh, you know, the kind of heart I need. Just give me something I can accomplish so I can feel good about myself. We look to what we can do, right, rather than what Christ has done. But in God's plan, Christ actually did not come to accomplish. Not at least in the way we think of accomplishment. Think about it. Christ came in weakness, That's what we're told. He came in obscurity. Uh, He took the form of a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He did not show how great he was. He didn't come into the world in all of his power and glory with the angels at his right hand and at his left, conquering. He didn't show how great he was, at least not by the standards of this present world. He did not rely on human power, but he went to the cross in weakness, arrested, mocked, beaten, crucified, buried, We don't call that human accomplishment. We call that failure. But it was through failing in the world's eyes that Christ won his greatest victory. He bore sins and defeated death, and the Father raised him from the dead. And in the resurrection, Jesus received the Father's approval, his vindication. And if we want to be right with our Father, we simply need to trust in Jesus and share in his victory. And let me ask you, you know, when you think about proving yourself to God, how do you do it? Okay, most of us don't use that kind of language uh, to ourselves, but finish this sentence, right? God loves me when I... Okay, I should say there's really no good way of finishing that sentence. Uh, There are lots of things that please the Father, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is why does the Father love me? And if your answer is anything but, the Father loves me because he's chosen to love me. Or God loves me because of the work of his son, Jesus. Any answer that finds a reason for the Father's love in you is relying on self, trusting in self to be right with the Father. And you may think, okay, I'm not, I know, I'm not trusting in anything but Jesus. I get it. Okay. Well, Paul warns in 1 Corinthians ten, twelve: If anyone thinks he stands, right, uh, let him take heed lest he fall. You know, to be honest, our, our default, right? Our default mode of life is to rely on ourselves. That's our knee-jerk reaction when life happens. Our default is to to boast in what we can accomplish. Our default is to think God loves us because what we do, because of what we do, or because of what we think, or because of what we say. Or what we believe, because I'm a little bit better, I think, than the person next to me. Our default is to think God loves us because of us and not because of Christ. Now, most of us know that's not true, but our hearts just keep slipping, don't they? They just kind of slide into this way of thinking. And we have to constantly remind ourselves, you know, that's a large part of the Christian life. A large part of the Christian life is learning to believe what we already know to be true. Right? I already know it to be true, but I have to keep being reminded again and again and again that the Father loves me, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what He has done through His Son, Jesus. That's why the Father loves me, because He chose to love me in Christ. Of course, the real danger is when we get comfortable thinking that God loves me because I have done this or that thing, which takes us to our next point. Uh, The next few points are a bit shorter, uh, but they're still important. First point, Jesus plus self is not good news. Uh, Second point, Jesus plus self is actually a danger to your soul. Uh, Paul says again in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. To rely on self, even Jesus plus self, is ultimately to reject Jesus for self. It's to say, Jesus is good, but he's not good enough. I've got to add to what Jesus did. And of course, to add anything to Jesus is really to take away from his sufficiency and his glory as our Savior. If you think you need to add something to Jesus, it's not Jesus that you know. To reject Jesus, though, is to reject the Father who called us. That's what Paul says. You're so quickly deserting Him who called you. See, when we really think uh, my righteousness, my standing before the Father, God's acceptance of me is found in Jesus plus. When we think God accepts me because I've done something, we are rejecting Jesus and His all-sufficient righteousness for us. No, God accepts us through His perfect Son, or not at all. If we abandon the gift of God's all-sufficient grace in Jesus, we abandon the Father. And of course, to abandon the Father is to abandon life. And Think about it. God the Father is the one who called us in the grace of Christ. God the Father is the source of, of life. He made the world. He sustains the world. He pours out His Spirit and gives life. He removes His face, the psalm says, and the earth is dismayed. God is the source of life and joy and peace and wholeness. And so to abandon the sufficiency of Christ is to abandon the Father, and to abandon the Father is to abandon life in all its fullness. You know, contrary to the false teachings that are out there, you, you can't have your best life now, but you can know the source of all life now. He is the Father known through the Son Jesus. Jesus plus self is not good news. Jesus plus self is actually a danger to your soul because by adding to Jesus, you're rejecting the grace that the Father offers. Jesus plus self is also a damnable teaching. And Paul is actually pretty clear on this point, isn't he? Look at verses 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, the word accursed means damned. It means go to hell. Paul says that those who brought this false teaching, right, they're, they're troubling you. You know, elders in the church, teachers in the sh- church should be shepherds caring for the flock not bringing God's judgment on them, not troubling them. Hebrews 13 actually says that leaders will have to give an account for the souls of those they lead. They're weighty words in the book of Hebrews. And so elders and teachers and pastors are judged for what they preach, what they teach. Now, there's something interesting going on here. Paul says, even if we, in verse 8, even if we, So what he's saying is, even if I, Paul, preach to you a different gospel, I should be damned. I should go to hell. And what this means is a teacher's authority authority is derived from the gospel, not the other way around. Think about it. If we should believe anybody, we should believe Paul the Apostle. But Paul says we shouldn't even believe him if he is preaching another gospel. Even if an angel appears to you clothed in light right here, an angel appears clothed in light, you know, blinding us all in this room, preaching a different gospel, don't believe him, Paul says. Believe only the gospel that Paul received from Jesus on that Damascus road and first preached. That's the gospel that we find in Galatians, the gospel we find in the rest of the scriptures. It is this gospel which actually validates someone's ministry. It's not someone's ministry which validates the gospel. And that's even true, Paul says, in his case, the case of Paul the Apostle, who was an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus, who, whose ministry was to bear witness to that fact that Jesus rose from the dead. This authority only extended as far as he preached the true gospel and no further. What this means for some of us in this room as, uh, as James said, James 3:1, which Bryce read earlier, James said, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Right? Teaching is, is important in the church. It's also weighty and should not be entered into lightly. But for others, it, it means that, that as, you, as you listen to me, or as you listen to someone else on Sunday morning, you must test what you hear. You must be like the Bereans in Acts 17, verse 11, who, upon hearing Paul's uh, preaching, we are told, quote, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. How do you know if what you are hearing is true? You can't just say, well, so and so teaches it, it must be true. You can't just say, well, this church or this denomination or this pastor teaches, so it must be true. How do you know that I'm not a false teacher? How do you know that this church hasn't gone off the rails? Well, you must search the Scriptures daily to see if what I say is true, right? Don't take my word for it, right? Read the Bible. Read the Scriptures. Jesus plus self is not good news. In fact, it's a danger to your soul, and it's a damnable teaching. Those who teach it, Paul says... Let him be accursed. Fourth, Jesus plus self requires loving intervention. Self-reliance or self-righteousness is is dangerous to your soul. It's a damnable teaching. And so it requires loving intervention. You know, Paul could be really patient in his letters. He could be tolerant, gracious at times. You know, once there were some people uh, preaching Christ in competition with Paul. And uh, he said it didn't matter why. They were preaching only that Christ was proclaimed, right? He wasn't afraid of competition. He wasn't bothered by it. When people had sinned uh, but were repentant, Paul encouraged churches to show forgiveness and show mercy. But here we have an example of Paul calling people out because their souls were in danger. Right? These are kind of shocking words, right? He starts out, I am astonished right, that you are so quickly deserting the grace of Christ. We so easily take our eyes off of Jesus. We so easily focus on what we can accomplish, our status, our reputation. We so easily focus on what we have attained in this life. We need one another to keep our eyes on the gospel. You know, repentance is kind of a a big word, but it really just means seeing, owning, and confessing your sin. Right. It's the way we turn back to our father. We see our sin. We own it without excuses and we confess it to our father. Repentance is the way we draw near to God. But repentance often comes after rebuke, doesn't it? We need to first see that we are tempted to rely on ourselves before we can turn from self to Jesus. You know, I need to be told regularly that my perfectionism borders on a self-salvation project so that I can repent of it daily and trust in Jesus and not in trying to get everything right. In the end of Galatians, Paul says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. See, there are times when we have to confront our brothers and sisters in Christ. In gentleness, Paul says, we have to confront one another. Not because you like confronting people. If you do, that's a problem. But for the sake of their souls. Not to prove that you're right, but to restore them to the Father through Jesus. That's what Paul is doing. That's what Galatians, the whole book, is an example of, of a rebuke. Paul is rebuking the Galatians. He is calling them back to the gospel. He's saying, you're going astray. You're going the wrong way. Turn back. Many of us are are very slow to call people out. And I I actually think that's a good thing. Shows that we don't want to be a jerk. It's good to be slow. It's good to be hesitant. It's good to be reticent. It's not good to be negligent. This requires, of course, knowing people in the Christian life. I mean, how, how can you rebuke me for some sin I've fallen into if you don't know me? You don't know what I've fallen into. You don't know where I am. So here's a really important question, right? Is there someone, some people who know you so well that if need be, if there was something going on in your life, they would know you enough to call you out? Do you have someone in your life who knows you enough, who who you have welcomed into your life enough that if need be, they could call you out? And, And I'm not just talking about your spouse. And, and, and this can't just be me or your pastor, or wherever you go, right? It can't just be the elders. There's a sense in which, of course, that's a part of our job. It's true. But we don't know everyone in here intimately. And realistically, we can't know everyone in here intimately. Are you letting people in? People who can encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus, Jesus plus self is not good news. It's a danger to your soul. It's a damnable teaching. It requires loving intervention. And fifth, Jesus alone is unpopular to those who rely on Jesus plus self, right? Maybe that's obvious. But Paul's opponents taught, they were teaching that Paul was a people pleaser. And so they said he only presented half the gospel to the Galatians, right? Right? He came in and presented the Jesus half of the gospel, but not the rest of the gospel, the stuff you have to do. That's what they said. These verses, of course, should set the record straight. Paul was no people pleaser. So Paul says in verse 10, look, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, nobody likes to hear that they are eternally accursed, as Paul says, right? Nobody likes to hear that. Uh, Nobody likes to hear that their teaching is damnable. Um, Nobody likes to hear that the good news is you cannot save yourself. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is rely on what someone else did. The gospel is not very popular for those who rely on self. Telling others that their wisdom and their works will not get them into heaven is often a necessary, right, but an unpopular place to be. You know, for some people, the gospel just sounds too good to be true. Yeah, right, there's nothing I need to do, right? There's no free lunch, we know that. For other people, we just want to take some credit. There's got to be something I can do. Somehow I can still be in control of this. But of course, we, there's nothing we can do, which we don't like to hear. Now, we shouldn't take unpopular positions for the sake of being contrarian, right? Uh, We know people like that sometimes. Maybe you know somebody like that who just takes the opposite opinion just to take the opposite opinion. We're not to be unpopular because of the way we present the gospel. And yet, even when we honestly and lovingly present the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection and rescue, we still encounter opposition, What Paul points out is that if we are unwilling to ruffle some feathers, we are not serving Christ. Now, you know, elsewhere in in, uh, the Bible, Paul says he tries to please everyone. He actually says that, 1 Corinthians 10.33. Now, his point in 1 Corinthians 10.33 is that he sees no reason to unnecessarily offend people. No reason. And so his words here when he says he's not trying to please man. His words here, one writer says, are not to be taken in an absolute sense as as if he was renouncing all desire to please others under any circumstances, but in a comparative sense, to mean the disavowal of pleasing others in preference to God. See, the question is not, do you ever want to please people? Of course you want to please people. If you didn't want to please people, you'd be a psychopath, right? You want to please someone, Your spouse, your children, your friends, your family. The question is not, do you ever want to please people? The question is, do you want to please people? Whom do you want to please more, people or God? And so Paul says, I am a servant of Christ. I am seeking to please Christ. But sometimes if I want to please Christ, I will not be pleasing to those around me. Now, again, sometimes Christians are, are contrarian and jerkish, right? And, we, we, and when people reject us, uh, we say things like, well, it's because I'm a Christian. They just, they just don't like me because I'm a Christian. Well, no, it's not because you're a Christian. It's because you were a jerk, right? There's a difference. There is a difference, right, between being a jerk and being a Christian. Um, then there are other people, though, who are so afraid to upset people that they won't speak the truth, even in love, because you don't want to rock the boat. Why is that? Well, it's because often we find, again, our righteousness, our sense of well-being, our core acceptance, we find that in what people think of us rather than in what God thinks of us. And So to come full circle, right, we need to remember the cross. We need to remember that Jesus was rejected by men, even forsaken by the Father on the cross for us, only to be then accepted by the Father in the resurrection. And our acceptance is in his acceptance. Our victory is in his victory. Do we want to be loved and accepted by people around us? Of course we do. But we don't need their love and acceptance because we are completely loved and fully accepted by the Father on account of Jesus. So we are freed from people pleasing and motivated by the Father's love for us to speak the truth in love to others, even when that truth is unpopular. Jesus plus self. It's it's not good news, right? Don't trust in kind of the anti-gospels of human effort. Trust in Jesus, who died and rose for you. Jesus plus self is a danger to your soul. Cling to Christ alone, through whom we have access to the Father, the God of life. Jesus plus self is a damnable teaching. Let not many of you be teachers, says James, lest you fall into that error. On the other hand, test everything you hear by the gospel found in the scriptures. Be like the Bereans. Jesus plus self requires loving intervention, right? Which means if we're going to receive that loving intervention, we need to let people in enough that they know us, that they can speak into our lives, receive, and then we need to receive our brother's rebuke when he makes it. Jesus alone is unpopular to those who rely on Jesus plus self. And so we need to be willing, out of love, to say hard things, even when it means losing favor with those around us, knowing that Jesus became unpopular with men, to win for us favor with God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would see him in all of his glory, and that we would see that all of our efforts are vain to try to earn your love, because you offer it as a gift through your son, Jesus, that we can find forgiveness in him and in him alone. Not in anything we do, not in anything we add to the work of Jesus, but in Him alone. Help us to trust Him with our whole hearts. Help us to rest in His love. Help us to find our joy in Him and in the righteousness we have by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.